Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm David Golay, the bike editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, so earlier this year, our own Dylan Wood and Luke Coppa spent a bunch of time on Hustle Labs' new Avery Magnetic Pedals and came away highly impressed. Frankly, I was still a little skeptical, but I've been riding a pair now too, and I do think that they are a super compelling option for the right rider. And so this week on Bikes and Big Ideas, we sat down with Hustle Labs' design engineer Trip Hurt to talk about the thinking behind the magnetic pedals, who they will and will not work well for, and a whole bunch more, including a couple of really excellent big ideas from Trip. But before we get into all that, you should also take a minute to check out our new guide to visiting Blister's home in Mount Crested Butte and the rest of the Gunnison Valley. It's got a ton of great information on flights into the area, getting around the valley once you're here, where to stay, where to eat, and everything else you need to know about paying us a visit in Crested Butte. So take a look, come visit, whether it's to ski this year, visit us for the Blister Summit that's coming up in February, or to ride bikes in the spring once the trails melt out. So with that, let's get right into my conversation with Trip. All right. Well, Trip, thanks for taking the time to join us here. Welcome to Bikes and Big Ideas. How are you today and where are you today? Yeah, thanks for having me, David. Um, I am here in Seattle, uh, Washington, and I'm doing great. So uh, we've got a little sun today. Uh, not quite the, the dreariest of winter days, but it's a great December day. Yeah, pretty nice out. I managed to sneak in a quick morning ski tour before work today, so things are going great over here too. You, you got all the way out of town and back in already before this. Yeah, been at work for a couple hours now, so started it real <laughs> early. But uh, I say I just I just took a loop around Green Lake, which is the the little local run for me. Hey, well, good that we both got out. That's sweet. It's always a it's always a blessing to be able to get out, especially with kind of how how rainy it gets and how how dark it is sometimes in the mornings here. Just how far north we are. So yep, that'll get you. Well, what we're here to talk about though is the hustle. Avery magnetic pedals and your involvement with them. So I guess to take it from the top, why don't you just give us a little bit of a rundown on the pedals and how they work to start? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, hustle bike labs is a company that's, uh, founded in Colorado. Um, we started out of the ice labs accelerator at Western, uh, Colorado university. Um, it's called ice lab. The company kind of came about, uh, cause our founder, Craig Payne, almost fell off a cliff uh, in a mountain bike ride in Moab. So he kind of had what he calls a, an ecliphany where uh, he, he near, nearly died on a mountain bike and thought there had to be a better way to do to do pedals. So the common options were uh, flat pedals or clipless pedals. So the standard SPD or Crank Brothers or anything like that is what most people ride or a flat pedal. So Craig thought on the idea for a couple of years before he came across uh, rare earth magnets, which are neodymium magnets. Um, they're the world's strongest permanent magnets. So a standard magnet would be like an iron or like uh, an, another metal like that, that they magnetize. Well, neodymium holds magnetism really, really well. So it's stronger than traditional magnets. So our, we use that technology in our pedal. So our pedal, the Avery pedal, which is our first product, is a hybrid pedal. So it 
sits kind of between a mag between a clipless pedal and a flat pedal so you get that that really really great float and that ability to disconnect really quickly that you see in a flat pedal but then you also get a little bit of that like control over the bike and connection that you would with a clip with a clipless pedal kind of the best of both worlds so the first product that avery is designed for the all mountain enduro rider um really kind of a downhill oriented pedal it's all all aluminum steel as well as the neodymium um lightweight for <laughs> considering the weights of the magnets and then going forward we're going to uh, penetrate the market into a little bit lower cost and maybe some other options in terms of another consumer that we're looking at yeah and so for people who haven't seen the pedals they sort of look like a big DH clipless pedal, except with a couple of magnets stuck in the middle instead of the clipless mechanism. There's a fairly large cage around them with a significant number of pins in it. And then you would ride them with a bike or a clipless shoe, that is, but with basically a little steel plate bolted to the bottom of that shoe that interfaces with the magnets rather than the sort of standard clip interface that you would otherwise have on that kind of setup. Exactly. Yep. So you could, you just, instead of putting your SPD cleat on a, a standard mountain bike shoe, you put on our Remtech plate. It's a steel, it's a steel plate and it interfaces directly with our pedal. So our pedal just adheres to that. The pedal is magnetic. The, the cleat is not. And then you can ride it just like a, just like a standard clipless. Yeah. So I've just gotten a pair in and spent a couple of rides on them now. We'll be logging a lot more time on them coming up here, but it's been interesting for me coming into it too, because I do ride sort of a mix of clipless and flats depending on what I'm testing and mood and whatever else. And so they do feel like they occupy kind of a middle ground option between the two in that there's a, I, frankly for me, surprising amount of retention on the pedal. Basically the magnets are stronger than I might've imagined that they would be before I spent time on them. And so you can't fully pull up like you can on a clipless pedal for sure, but they do hold a lot more strongly than I would have thought. And uh, we talked about them a little bit on an earlier episode. Dylan Wood, one of our reviewers, I, I hadn't ridden them at this point, and he, I asked him sort of how he would rate the retention on a scale of 1 to 10, where 1, nothing, would be a flat pedal, and then 10 would be a very firm clipless pedal setup and he went with a seven on that sort of scale they're pretty solid which i thought was interesting and i think having spent a little bit of time i think that sounds about right it's kind of this sort of ballpark um one thing that i've been trying to get dialed in on my setup with them is the engagement of the pins into the sole of the shoe to get quite the feel that i'm looking for and one thing that i've been finding that's interesting about them is that when you have the magnet and cleat plate stuck up against each other, there's a pretty strong, pretty high amount of force to pull the foot off of the pedal. So you have good retention there, but it does float fairly freely on that interface. The metal plates a significant amount bigger than the surface area of the magnet section in the middle. And there's a bit of room for it to move around and it is fairly free floating in that space, at least if the pins aren't engaged. And so uh, I think there's quite a bit of potential to kind of dial in exactly how you want that to feel based on how you shim the plate and therefore how the to what extent the pins 
engage in the sole of your shoe. But do you have any sort of general guidelines for what sort of shoes they work with best and how to think about setting them up in that way? Yeah, at, at this point, um, our best setup is really with a standard flat shoe. So like anything you would see for like a flat flat ride, like kind of free ride style shoe, uh, anything without a curved plate. So a curved plate would be anything you see in a road shoe um, that's fully carbon fiber or fiberglass um, with no foam or rubber outsole. So anything that's more in that, that rubber outsole flat area with the standard two bolt cleat is going to give you the best adjustability. So the cleat is um, it's oversized to the magnet so you can kind of move it around in your cleat box and then you can put your foot on the um, on the pedal platform and really kind of get it dialed in. So the, really the, the key to the whole system is that the magnets give you that adjustability where you don't have to have a specific location. So maybe if you like riding a little bit more on your toes or you might ride like a little bit more on your on the back of your foot, you could potentially move your cleat in a little bit different orientation and then dial in your uh, your pins. So our connection basically works on magnets and pins. So a standard, uh, if you're looking at something like a, a standard Chester pedal or anything, they have pins on them. Ours are removable and customizable. So we have long ones and short ones in different colors. So you can change the orientation so you can really get that ideal feel that you want on your pedal that gives you that good connection, that good confidence, that cornering ability, that ability to really press, it, press into the pedals and have that confidence that you're not gonna come unattached and that you have that good connection, like going around like a, a nice, like big wide turn. So we, we'd like like in the, in the future, we're gonna look at developing a um, option that could go with maybe a curved shoe or a gravel style shoe. So you don't have to use that curved, but really with this first one, we're really trying to hit that that big like all mountain category. Yeah, that makes sense. And I've been using them with a Shimano AM9 shoe, which is their gravity oriented clipless shoe with a rubber outsole and everything. Um, and what you said totally makes sense. I think I haven't quite dialed in the pin configuration and shimming yet, but I also have only got two rides on them so far. And it's very much a matter of just feeling like I haven't done all the experimentation yet and figured the setup out. But it seems like I can get there. It's it's definitely disorienting. So the first time you kind of like start on them, I, I remember the first time I rode them, which was uh, about a year and a half ago, and I was just taken aback by how different it was. So it gave me, it, it opened a door from like what you were talking about. It's like fitting that hybrid, you can f see a market for it. It's like, I kind of have a mix of clipless and flat. So like I used to ride clipless on my mountain bike. Um, just standard SPDs. And then I switched over to flat pedals and then it was like, okay. And then I, then I went ahead and rode the hustle pedal. I was like, this is just so unique. I don't even know, like, how is this going to change my riding? How is this going to change everything? And it takes a while to really get over that. Like first, like this is something different. So, um, it's, it, I'm sure it takes a while to kind of like, now that the world is different, how do I optimize it for what I actually want? Since it's kind of like, giving me that customizability, that adjustability that I'm looking for, that like touch point of some cyclists or a lot of cycling brands that you look at, they're delivering a product to the customer and the customer is getting what they've delivered. They're not really giving you what you really want. Like if you look at a standard, like a uh, high performance road shoe, 
there's no adjustability on the sole. The adjustability is built into the cleat. So what we're trying to do is we give you adjustability with the pedal, the cleat, and so you can kind of really dial everything in. Or that touch point is it's yours. It's customizable. It's going to give you superior comfort, superior fit, and superior performance. Yeah, it does seem from the little bit of messing around that I've done so far that there is kind of a bigger envelope of ways that you can set them up to feel than most clipless pedals say. Yeah, I haven't hit upon what feels like the absolutely dialed con- setup for myself. I've kind of started with not nearly enough pin engagement and just a little more free floating than I wanted them to be. And then tried a second setup that maybe overshot a little bit in the other direction and just made it a little bit too hard to position your foot on it because the pins are engaged so heavily. So working on it, but I think I'll get there. And it does seem like a very flexible setup in that regard that you've got a kind of a a fairly wide range that you can operate within. So one thing I did want to sort of touch on a little bit too is like you said, they are, or hinted at earlier, they are a bit on the heavy side measured weight that I had for the pair that I have with all of the pins installed uh, came out to 775 grams for the pair of pedals, uh, but not including the cleats, which are another 110 with the bolts and everything all in. So that's kind of squinting border, like roughly double, like a fairly mid-range trail sort of clipless pedal, for example, something like not with a massive platform, but uh, a bit of one. And so just putting that out to people, I mean, it's it's a bit of weight, but also we've been talking a fair bit about at Blister, rather about how we're kind of mostly of the opinion that weight isn't the biggest deal for kind of most trail, all mountain enduro sorts of applications for most people. So far, my take is that, yeah, they're a little heavier, but it doesn't feel like a a huge deal and the just difference in how the pedal feels from an interface perspective is far more significant than any weight considerations. Yeah, it's 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 definitely not a weight weenie pedal. It's not an XC racer pedal at this point. And uh I'm not sure if magnets will ever be that that case use because of the weight of the magnets. So to be able to get that really, really strong retention that makes this pedal system work, it's not gonna be super lightweight. We're going to have that drawback to it, but it fits a different, it fits a different consumer of like, there's a large amount of brands right now that are really like, we have to go super light. We have to go super like high performance, but that's not most riders in all honesty. That's a, that's the pinnacle of riders and every, the entire system and all the brands are built off takedowns. So if we're looking at the big brands like Specialized or Trek, it's like the pinnacle of sport for them is the Tour de France or downhill like World Cup racing. So if we can kind of take down from there, that's kind of how they build all their product. What we're going for is we're trying to build product for everybody and trying to give them high performance product that gives them a unique perspective or a unique comfort, a unique case use for them. And right now we want to interfere. We're, we're trying to revolutionize the pedal system. So our big drawback is weight. We're trying to kind of innovate around how we can within our system that we've developed. Yeah, that seems totally reasonable. And if you had to squint at it and take a guess, I'm not going to hold you to this number, but what would you estimate might be kind of a low end weight for a more pared down pedal with a smaller platform, say like what sort of is the floor that the magnets are going to impose, I guess would be a different way of phrasing that. So we're uh 780 something. So I thought I saw three, six, three, 389 for the last time I looked at it. 
um, under 500 for sure, because, uh, we'll be, we'll be changing up some spindle stuff. We're just having to like, we're, we're working against the weight of the magnet and the magnet makes up a significant amount. I have to, I'd have to look at the weight of the magnet and then give you an estimate, but yeah, we can, we can shave off a really good amount in future generations of this pedal so that we're not, you you're saying kind of double the standard weight. We won't be double. I can tell you that that's, that's gone. That, that's in our past already. Yeah. And I mean, I'm talking when I'm saying double too, we're comparing to like an XT trail pedal. There are certainly much heavier clipless pedals out there than that. So it's not like it's double everything on the market. Yeah. I think 200, 200 grams less for sure for future, for future development. So we, we really wanted to come out with something that kind of had our ultimate customization, our ultimate, like what we've, what we've been looking at for the past couple of years. So the pedal got launched by uh, our founder, Craig, Craig Payne at, or um in 20 winter 2019 and we've been ideating off of that idea since then so we're still within our first product development process so once we're past our first product development process and launch and we've got some really great like early adopters and some great product coming to market what does it look like for the next generation of how can we make this a how can we make this a brand and how can we make this a something that people people use and people want to use all the time yeah and on the subject of product development, we should probably touch on your role with uh, Hustle a little bit and how you got involved in the first place. Can you give us a little bit of a rundown on that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I um, I have a master's from CU Boulder in, the, uh, in mechanical engineering, and I did my research on cycling shoes. So I discovered basically that cycling shoes are over-engineered for stiffness um, in sprinting. So the typical uh, manufacturer will tell you that carbon fiber is the pinnacle of sport. Um, and my research basically says that carbon fiber is the pinnacle of sport for some people, but for most people that you won't be able to tell a difference, even if your plate's nylon, because you're not able to apply enough force to bend a plate. So you get the same performance out of a, out of a nylon plate versus a carbon fiber plate. If you're looking at it from just a performance perspective. So that's my background. I did a bunch of research on cycling shoes. I have a mechanical design background. I used that to kind of get connected to Hustle um, in the middle of last summer, so 2020. Um, and since then, I've been doing product development for them. So I do product development for all of our um, pedals um, and any future components that we'll be working on. I'll be I'll be leading those initiatives. That's pretty cool. And on the uh, master's research on shoes that you were talking about, was that primarily looking at road bike stuff? I mean, it's largely conceptually the same, right? If you're talking about just efficiency and putting down power, a bike's kind of a bike in that regard, at least. But just sort of curious on what that was looking at more specifically. Yeah, absolutely. That is um, uphill sprinting. So we did outdoor outdoor uphill sprinting so that we could compare it in a real world circumstances for riders. So we took three different um, cycling shoes offered by Specialized. So the S-Works 7 plate, um, the Torch 3.0 plate, and the uh, Torch 1.0. So you can think of it as we took a carbon fiber plate, we took a fiberglass plate, and we took a nylon plate and compared those in 20 riders riding uphill. Um, and there was no statistical differences in power output. So it's not saying there isn't a difference. There could be a, uh, a small difference we're missing. Um, but for most riders, there's not going to be an appreciable difference. 
So there could be a comfort difference. So kind of what I was talking about earlier with riders, like looking at we're we're all we're all getting served takedowns from the super high performance product. Like maybe we're not getting the same comfort out of that nylon plate because it's designed in a different way. So can we deliver that really high performance fit or comfort in a in another option? So that's what we're trying to attack with hustle. And that's really kind of where my master's research where, where kind of this whole thinking started for me. It was in that master's research of like realizing if there's no performance difference here for the rider, like what are the differences? Why is someone going to choose that? If we can change the narrative around the marketing of this, can we deliver what that shoe does on the other effects? Can we deliver that superior fit, that superior material and that superior like um, brand positioning so that we can, we can give that to the everyday rider and still give them the high performance that they're expecting. Just not knowing that maybe they don't have to spend $400 to be able to get that out. That's pretty cool. And what I was going to say is that from my perspective, as someone who's more of a gravity oriented mountain biker than doing a ton of uphill sprinting, I've certainly noticed differences in shoe stiffness from a, feel perspective and comfort perspective on the way down. But apart from some things like a couple of ultra soft kind of skate shoe derived flat pedal shoes, it's not like I've ever felt that there was too dramatic a difference from a purely kind of qualitative sense uh, in terms of on the way up. And so I guess it's interesting to have had that validated with some actual data collection and whatnot, but uh, that is cool. And that also reminded me of one other thing that I wanted to touch on about the Avery pedals is that uh, speaking of feel, they do feel even in the first setup that I tried where I didn't have quite as much pin engagement around the perimeter of the shoe as I think I probably want. They still feel especially supportive, I think, because you have a very large flat contact surface area between the pair of magnets and the cleat plate and so it's a very solid stable feeling foundation and then having put a couple of rides on them and then gotten back on another bike with clipless pedals on and even ones with a bit of a platform there's a noticeable kind of amount of rocking that your foot can do on top of the pedal with the clipless setup that is just absolutely not there with the Avery's and uh it was interesting in that it was sort of more obvious to me when I went back to the clipless setup than it was getting on the Avery's in the first place, but it was pretty dramatic. And I actually think that's a pretty cool and uh, potentially fairly significant performance advantage for the, the Avery's also. They feel really stable and nice in that regard. That's a, yeah, that's a really good observation you had and like further validation of kind of what we're looking at. Like this option is a really, really good option for an entry level rider because it gives you confidence in your bike. It gives you a really, really stable platform because it is wide. It is long. It's going to have a really, really solid connection with your bike. So you can learn to handle the bike better. So one of the things we're looking at doing after the Avery pedal is we're going to launch another pedal, um, 
that's going to be actually a more uh, value oriented pedal so that we can get, we can capture a little bit more of that market of people that are not looking for that all mountain enduro, maybe people that are looking for that aluminum bike, that entry level carbon fiber bike, like for their regular all mountain riding, that kind of rider is going to be more for our second market so that we can kind of expose more people to this and, and get people to understand there's a new way to ride a mountain bike. And this way it might be a safer option for a lot of people so that we're not going into in a rock garden or come in like completely off a bike. So it's a, it's a really, really cool, cool thing to be able to see. That makes sense. And for that version, are you imagining it'll be a little bit less smaller, less strong magnets for that and a little lower force on that retention or what's kind of the thinking behind that next one? Yeah. So great segue. So kind of what I've been talking about the whole time is we're not, we don't want to compromise on performance for different levels of our product offerings. Um, we're going to offer the same amount of the same amount of cleat retention in the, our, our next pedal. So it's going to have the same amount of performance that you can expect, but it's going to be in a totally different package. So there'll be a, a couple different things that are pulled out from a product line perspective so that we can elevate that Avery pedal. That Avery pedal's got that really great float, that ultimate customize, uh, customization in an aluminum package. Um, our next pedal is going to be, uh, have that same great magnetics feeling you're going to get from the Avery pedal, but it's going to be in a slim down package. There's going to be, um, a little bit less bearings and maybe a little bit less float and not that ultimate customization that you'd expect from a hustle product. One thing I am curious to sort of suss out as I spend some more time on them is how much I get used to the feeling of disengaging the foot from the pedal on the the Avery's so far again with just a couple of rides and having not really gotten very thoroughly used to them yet uh, and also having had uh, close to 20 years now of muscle memory on getting out of clipless pedals it thus far feels a little bit harder to get out of the Avery's if I'm kind of consciously thinking about it and just trying to put a foot down in large part, I think because my brain is telling me to try to twist my foot like it's a clipless pedal, which isn't really the right way to do it on these. But it also feels like that there's a pretty nice level of force, I guess, where they hold your feet fairly securely. But if you are crashing or otherwise involuntarily coming off the bike, let's say it's not so secure that you're going to be stuck and tangled up with the bike like you can do on clipless pedals. And so for uh, less experienced riders, that seems like that could actually be a really good middle ground where your feet stay planted better. It's easier than flats in that regard, but you're probably generally going to come off of them without having to really think about it or do much actively to make it happen in a crash, which seems great. Yeah, you're trying to you're you're working against the muscle memory of what we all got taught. We all got taught to kind of turn your foot and to be able to come come uncleated. Now, if you're turning your foot, you're in, you're actually engaging some of the float that we have on our pedal. So you can you can turn your foot like on a big berm in our pedal and still stay connected. So what you got to think of it is like kind of opening. So like you open a book, you open the pedal. So you open your foot off because the axis is straight up. If you disconnect that opening, then you're able to kind of really get disconnected. Um, 
it's it's really interesting just to kind of to untrain yourself from that it's i i saw some fun so pink bike always does on fridays they do friday fails so they always do people that kind of basically scorpion or have the bike come over their head a lot of times you watch those riders and they might be in they might be inexperienced riders they might be like really high-end riders they come over the top of a of a big feature bike comes on top of them because it might be clipped in. It might be connected to them. I watched a XC enduro uh, an XC guy the other day in a line kind of coming through a little area bike came right in and clipped him because it was still attached to his legs. So now imagine like, and if you're in that circumstance, all of a sudden, like you you've come to this, this circumstance of where you're like, okay, I'm going to fall. So I kind of try and let go in that circumstance, you'll come unclipped. Because you're going to move in the in a in a way that isn't the traditional unclipping motion. So the traditional unclipping is you got to kind of turn your feet out and you got to walk like a duck. So if you're doing that on a if you're not doing that, you're thinking about like trying to prevent your like prevent a collarbone break or anything like that. You just kind of move in the motion that you want to that you want to come to like protect yourself. That motion will disconnect you from a hustle pedal. So you're able to kind of catch yourself better. So if we go back to Craig's acliphony, Craig doesn't have to worry about unclipping. He's got to worry about not falling off that cliff. So all of a sudden he's coming around the corner, bike lays down, he's not stuck in it and slipping off the cliff. Bike lays down, Craig's still standing there. That's a really, really cool thing. And that's a really, really great opportunity for our pedal if we're looking more at the, the entry level, the intermediate rider is we can offer something that no one else does. And it's a safety perspective. Yeah, that feels right from the little bit of time I have on them so far. And we'll keep testing and have a more comprehensive review up on the site in a bit. But that seems in line with my early take, which is which is neat. You already talked about the upcoming kind of more price point oriented model. Is there anything else in the works that you want to talk about yet or not too much you can share just yet? Um, we're still working on a few things um, right now. I won't tease anything, but we'd like to further penetrate the pedal market. So we have a unique option. Um, so we'd like to kind of flush out that um, more, ex more extensively. So the Avery is our first pedal. We've got another pedal that's hopefully heading out next summer. Um, that'll be our value oriented. And then from there, we're looking at expanding um, our magnetic solution into a few other products. Um, it'll be based in pedals for the meantime, but we want to hustle wants to stand for a unique, um, take on fit and comfort. So I've kind of touched on it a little bit of like, we feel like it's not being emphasized enough in our category. It's more of a high performance, a lightweight. It's like, how can we deliver these things to riders that haven't had this served to them previously? We're seeing a giant explosion in e-bike right now. Um, e-bikes are really heavy. Our solution goes really well with an e-bike because that rider is not worried about weight. They're, they got a motor on their bike. So we can offer them or that person a unique solution. So we're looking at kind of things like that of where the future of the industry is going. And we'll try and our goal is to try and focus on touch points, touch points for fit and comfort and giving unique perspectives to those. Well, that's a pretty good teaser of what's coming up in the pipeline and excited to see some more of that. And I think that's a pretty good segue into how we'd like to wrap things up here on Bikes and Big Ideas, which is to say, ask you what your big idea is, I guess, sort of beyond magnetic pedals, which is already one pretty big one. But what else do you have for us, Trip? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Bikes and Big Ideas got a little bit of a time to think about this, but I wanted to kind of 
I've been thinking a lot about um, diversity inclusion and how that kind of relates to marketing. So at Hustle, I work exclusively on product development, but the marketing side of it is something that I'm trying to kind of learn. And one thing I've been thinking about really a lot recently is the media that we're served is controlled by algorithms a lot of times. So we're seeing Facebook do it. We see Instagram do it. They all do it right now. And it's all based upon kind of machine learning or uh, techniques that large tech companies kind of serve to us. And I think it's really interesting to see if there's something we can do to kind of flip that switch going forward. So one thing that we see through Hustle right now is uh, if people don't watch our videos or people don't like our things as much as they had been or comment or comment back to each other, um, we're not winning at the algorithm. We're not able to really be in front of people. So we have to post certain types of posts. So we have to post reels. We have to post um, a shorter videos, clips. We can't do the traditional posting. So is there a way for us in the future to kind of flip that switch and go towards maybe what I was thinking about actually was setting our own algorithms or like, you know, one of the things that I like to use social media for is kind of experiments sometimes. So go through and look at stuff. So I like to follow a lot of the bike brands and see what they're up to. And you know, it's a self-serving algorithm. I look at bike brands, I get more bike brands. I do it on Facebook too. I click on one person, all of a sudden I get more and more of that person. Is there a way in the future that we can get that control so that we can tailor the image or tailor the things that we want to see? So if I want to be looking at bike brands, that's what I'm really kind of passionate about. Like, can I set my own algorithm so that I can get the machine learning or get the that tailoring that I want so that I can get that marketing, I can get that targeted advertising that we want. So this really plays into um, diversity. I'm seeing certain things. You're probably seeing different things. The whole world is seeing different things based upon the things they've liked. So can I basically spread the message that, hey, hustle here, we want to stand for something else. And if people like our brand image, they're going to see what we portray it as if they click into it. So right now we're not winning at it because it's being controlled on the other side. So how do we get that back? And then the other thing that I was really thinking about that kind of um, was uh, I listened to a little bit of one of the previous guests and he had a really good idea around sustainability um, that was on kind of like carbon footprint. And I wanted to play a little bit off that because I'm really passionate about sustainability, but I didn't want to make my entire idea <laughs> about a previous guest big idea. But I really think there's a, a really strong case to when you buy a product, knowing the carbon costs of returns. There's a massive issue I see in my industry and I do myself of thinking something's got a free return and not understanding the repercussions long-term of that. So how can we spread that into marketing and how can we make people understand that if you buy three sizes of something to return things, like there's a huge carbon footprint to that. And maybe it's better to have walked across the street to a store. I do this up here in Seattle. I've got a, I live across the street from Evo um, and I could walk in and test stuff out and take a look at it. And you know what I do? I ordered on Amazon and it stinks and I want to know how we can change that. And I think it's, I think it's serving more information and more awareness to the consumer.
Sorry, I kind of split that up into two. I didn't know if I was going to talk about both of both of those big ideas, but I've wrote them both down. Bonus big ideas are good. We're into it. And the prior guest that you referenced uh, with another sustainability pitch, was that Cedric from Law Bikes talking about uh, manufacturing near where things are going to be made and just cutting down carbon footprint by pairing away shipping sort of in the whole supply chain? Was that the one you were talking about? Absolutely. Yeah. I listened to, I listened to the, the law podcast and I really believe in his local, local manufacturing take. Um, it's something we don't currently do at hustle, um, that we have in our long-term vision, kind of bring all that back in the U S that's really, really emphasized by the supply chain issues that we're seeing worldwide. Things are just really, really hard to get. Um, there's an article on outside, um, outside right now about supply chain issues and how you still can't get gear. So that is the future in terms of kind of hyper localized. And I think kind of stepping further into that is really what's the, what's the transparency, what's the, the information we can give to consumers and we can give to ourselves. So is there platforms we can use to do this? Is the next Amazon a like carbon footprint, Amazon, where we can understand that. And I, I like the shipping, the shipping stuff is, is amazing. Like you look at, you look at giant companies like Allbirds, Allbirds built their, built their entire brand on sustainability, um, biodegradation, uh, that's all they stand for. And you look at the things that are sourced in their, in their shoes. So Cedric's talking about super, super local, uh, being able to, like make everything locally. So you cut down on shipping. One of the biggest companies in the world that stands for sustainability sources stuff from South Africa um, and makes their shoes in Vietnam. So they make it across the world. Can we change that narrative? Can we change the sustainability narrative so that, Hey, maybe you didn't have to use South African tree bark or a eucalyptus bark or something like that. Maybe you can use castor bean oil. Maybe you can change something, change one component. All of a sudden you've cut down on the the carbon emissions of that and how do we make manufacturers do this with our purchasing power so i think it's through a platform of really really informing the customer i like that thinking about just being very conscious of where our foot carbon footprint is coming from and the ways that we can reduce that with fairly minimal impacts on our own end is a great one so bunch of good stuff in there that was cool this has been a fun conversation trip. Thanks for coming on and really appreciate you taking the time to share all this with us. Yeah, David, thanks for having me on. And we'll get a, we'll get a bike or a ski up here in Seattle soon. That'd be great. Looking forward to it. We'll talk soon then. Talk soon. That's it for this edition of Bikes and Big Ideas. And if you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. I also want to say thanks to Trip for the conversation. Thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. From all of us at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else, and we will talk to you again real soon.